I remember watching The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, and the musical guest was Dawes. It was one of the cases where I heard the name a few times, but never heard their music, and they did a performance of When My Time Comes on the show, and by the end of it, I was blown away. They had such great energy, and the singer was singing like every word was his last. I immediately downloaded the album, and North Hills quickly became one of my favorite albums in a long time. Then I was fortunate enough a few months later to go see them at Bonnaroo. The most amazing part was when they reached the chorus of When My Time Comes, and the whole crowd sang along. I knew I was witnessing something special. And from that moment on, Dawes have been one of my favorite bands. Welcome to All Your Favorite Bands. I'm your host, Jeff Lamort. On this edition, I talk with Taylor Goldsmith, lead singer and guitarist of Dawes, member of Middle Brother, and formerly of the band Simon Dawes. I talk with Taylor about some of his favorite bands and how they've had an influence on him as a songwriter, as well as his experiences in Dawes. But first, I ask him about his earliest musical memories. You know, growing up, like any kid, there's there, you've, you've, you're introduced to a lot of older stuff that means a lot, but you're not going to see any of those bands, you know? Like, I remember hearing, my, you know, having my dad show me the Beatles and Otis Redding. Um, one cool thing with with the Beatles was that he he uh, showed me all their records in order, like we started with so the you early had, like, stuff. The true and, experience. Yeah, well, sort of. I mean, it was like you know we would listen to Rubber Soul and then like three days later we'd be listening to Revolver. So it wasn't like I was spending a bunch of time like with each record, but he just he got a kick out of you know uh, uh, you know just showing me what order they came in. I always liked the Beatles, but but even that like I grew up much more of a Paul McCartney guy and I still love Paul McCartney songs and records and 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 I'm, I don't mean to say that by being now a John Lennon guy I like Paul McCartney less I just never realized the power of John Lennon songs I never realized the uni- universal aspects of it and the way that, that uh, he could speak to and for a generation in a way that Paul McCartney um, didn't to me like and I don't whatever that means um, I know what you're saying. Yeah, like yeah. Paul McCartney, his songs. I was listening to Ram on a long drive the other day, and his melodic sensibility, his his ideas for rhythms and instrumentation is so incredible. I and love I that will, album too. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and I'll never be able to grasp that sort of genius. It's so amazing. But when it comes to the power of like what a song like Imagine means to a people, to a time. That's that's that that transcends that to me. Again, it's just one man's taste. Like that definitely informed how I looked at songwriting and how the kind of songwriter I wanted to be. Yeah, not like John Lennon didn't have funny songs either, but right. like he could never do something like Monkberry Moon Delight. Right, right. Because it's so off the wall, goofy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't even know what this is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's so it enjoyable. Is. It is. Puts it's a smile on your face, and I mean, every time. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's probably the secret to why they're the Beatles and no one else is the Beatles is because yeah, they were yeah. able to bring those powers together. But what about George Harrison too? Oh yeah, I mean all things must pass is hands down my favorite um, post Beatles Beatles record. Too. Yeah. Oh god. Easily, I, if I could, only, if I only could have, you know, three or five records for the rest of the time, that would be on the list. It's a good choice because it's so long. Too. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All of them are double records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about seeing a band live? In terms of seeing bands, I remember I saw, um, I, I remember one big moment for me was seeing Weezer on the, uh, 
I guess it was the Warp Tour for some weird reason. They were on the Warp Tour, but uh, it was the only two albums out were were Blue Album and Pinkerton. Pinkerton wow. had come out long before that, um, obviously, and they hadn't because like, I guess there's a long period of time between Pinkerton and that Green album, and um, and so it was still in that in that window. And um, I remember that being a moment where it it went beyond just you know those those bands that you know you love as a little kid but you st- they start to kind of lose their power over you because it's it has more to do with how old you are rather than yeah. how good the music is that was one of the first times I was like oh this is something that's actually really great it's really really special one of the first bands that I fell in love with that I still love to this day you know was Weezer uh, an influence in Simon Dawes yeah for sure I mean Simon Dawes was a hodgepodge you know every song was uh, kind of trying on a different outfit uh, we'd hear an Elvis Costello song that we loved and say, okay, let's go, let's do Elvis Costello as best we can. And it would come out the way it'd come out. Let's do um, uh, David Bowie the best way we can. And then it, that would come out the way it came out. Um, before, like, all the stuff that was ever released as Simon Dawes was once we'd been introduced to artists like that, David Bowie, Elvis Costello, Rolling Stones. Um, but before that, there was a period of Simon Dawes when I was, like, I guess, like, from 15 to... 18, when um, Blake Mills and I were just deeply obsessed with uh, with Steely Dan mainly. I mean, it was a lot. Whatever was most musical. That was like when we would we would we were wearing out Pet Sounds, we were wearing out Dave Brubeck records. Um, I feel like with the way our brains work musically, like Dave Brubeck was the c- closest thing wow. to something we could make fun, we could make sense out of. Like I feel like. Even to this day, I, I love jazz music and I love putting it on, but I don't. I feel like I can only access so much of its power. You know, I feel like people are like, "Oh, check out this Coltrane thing," and I, and and sometimes, like as embarrassing as it is, I just kind of th- throw my hands up and I, I I love it. But that part of my musician brain of trying to figure out how it works, I can't I can't do it. Um, and Dave Brubeck was some of the only stuff where it's like, "Oh, I kind of see." Like, not that I could do it by any means. But I kind of felt like, oh, this makes sense. There was those years where where um, those were the artists that we would listen to, just very musical and, and like highly musical in a way that we needed. But then eventually the pendulum swung to the other end, and we just wanted to, you know, listen to the Rolling Stones play two chords. Yeah. And um, and and really finally for the first time understand what rock and roll was all about. Like I remember there was this guy Tony Berg, who's a, still a dear friend of ours. Um, he produced the first Simon Dawes record. And I, when we met him, I was obsessed with Queen, and I still love Queen. But Queen is a, it's, a, it's an extreme thing. I mean, it's 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 hard to, to yeah. try and sound like Queen. It's, it's, oh yeah, and yeah. and it's just it's very dense. It's very, um, it's you know it's it's a it's a lot to swallow. It's a chewy experience, and and he kind of was like, oh, if you, I mean, Queen, okay, cool, whatever. But you need to understand why David Bowie is David Bowie. And um, and I, 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 that didn't make any sense to me at first. Like at first, my criteria was like, well, Freddie Mercury is a much better singer. Like they, Queen uses all these wild, like, classical compositional techniques, and like they all, blah 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 blah. All this, all this very technical, analytical, mm-hmm. um, re- all these analytical reasons as to why I thought they were better. As a seventeen-year-old or eighteen-year-old. And then, um, and then slowly but surely, like him showing me Hunky Dory, and Ziggy Stardust, Aladdin Sane, and then and then even onward into Low and Lodger and Heroes and and Scary Monsters, I started to realize like the power of a song 
and how that and how different that was from just music just sheer musicality I, I, I still like Queen but when it comes to like being able to sit down at a piano and, and, and blow me away or make me cry with a song they're you know they're few guys in the in the ranks of David Bowie yeah so I, that was a big lesson for me and not that it, not that it's a competition especially between those two artists um, but uh, I think that was uh, a, an eye-opening moment I know what you're saying taste. though like Queen is so it's yeah. epic it's like a stadium. David Bowie is more inviting, at least, with the, the music. You can kind of feel like, not so much I can do this, but I can be like a part of this. There's a lot of dressing up that's yeah. going on with Queen songs. I love Killer Queen and um, Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy, and I like these songs, but a lot of it hinges on those Brian May harmony guitar solos that like that fall in and out of the chord structure so beautifully or the crazy layered harmonies that is so signature to them it's not the kind of thing where you can hand someone an acoustic guitar and say play me an incredible queen song yeah. and just like you know break my heart with it whereas with david bowie you can do that you know almost every single song a record you know like and 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 it's very simple he doesn't it's he relies he uses less tools but i feel like it's a good um i guess it's just a good Means, it was a good means for me to understand the power of, of a song, of just, just a song. Like, you look at Heroes, and it's almost just two chords the whole time. And you can hand an out-of-tune guitar to someone that doesn't know how to sing, and if they know the chords and words to Heroes, it's still going to be a moving experience. And, um, and, and that's, the, that's, that's what the power of a song can do. And that was something I needed to learn. I'm going to go back to Simon Dawes real quick. You have a song, Got a Light, where you say, When I Grow Up, I'll say the things I really hate. <laughs> yeah. How do you think about that now? It's funny because I, that made me sort of chuckle to myself when I listened back um, to Simon Dawes for the first time and since we did it. Um, I, I guess it was about a year ago or something. I was like, oh, I haven't listened to this stuff. I think I was actually really trying to put together material for this new record and I was just kind of listening for anything I could find that could maybe give you know, give us another song or two. Um, there was nothing really in the Simon Dawes catalog that I felt was appropriate for this, but it was fun going back over that material. And and hearing that line, it definitely stuck out to me because uh, I'm really happy that the Simon Dawes stuff exists. I don't necessarily ever have the inclination to play any of those songs at a Dawes show. Not that they're not, that they're not cool. I enjoyed listening to it, but it's just not... Uh, you know, it's not who I am. It's not it's completely how I, different. Yeah, exactly. And I think a big part of that was, like I was saying before, we were just kind of trying on different outfits and trying on just figuring out who we were as musicians. And that 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 consists of a lot of trial and error, as it would be for any writer in any medium. You you decide you want to emulate something, and you do, and you kind of scrape up the pieces of like of of you know what can resemble you rather than all the things you're emulating. Mm -hmm. And uh, and. Simon Dawes has a lot of that for me. When I listen to some of those songs, there's a few moments where I'm like, oh, it sounds like I knew what I was wanting to say here. Um, but a lot of it just seemed like silliness, and we wanted to be we wanted to perceive ourselves as songwriters, so we just kind of pretended until we became songwriters. Um, maybe that's harsh, but I actually think that's really what it was. Um, I think Blake discovered it a lot um, sooner than I did. I think uh, when I look back at Simon Dawes, when I look at his songs that he wrote, they're so much more poignant and so much more profound and so much more clear as to 
uh, what they what their goals were than mine were. Like he wrote songs like Salute the Institution, um, songs like Execution oh, Song. Oh man, that yeah. song is awesome. Yeah, we each wrote the verse that we sang, but mm-hmm. it was it, it was his creation. I just kind of like filled in the blanks after he created this beautiful structure for something. And then what was that one song? It's so great, man. It's the best one. On, it's the best one on there. Um, I can't believe I don't remember it. Oh, every single time. Okay. That was a song of his, and and uh, so yeah. I mean, and all of my songs were just kind of like, wait, what does that verse mean? And the reality is, I would just hang my head and be like, I don't even know what that means. I'm just kind of making shit up. It's fun though, because I yes. got that after North Hills. Yeah. And then I'm like, this is totally different, but yeah. it's fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, listening back to that record is really fun, and but yeah, it's just like we were really just kind of getting comfortable with ourselves. And the cool thing is we're still best friends and, and, and we and it was something that we look on we look back on very fondly. Yeah. Which I don't think a lot of people get to say about, you know, their first records or their first bands. Yeah, Blake's records are his solo stuff's oh great God. too. Yeah. I mean I, I maybe I'm a biased friend, but he'll always be the greatest musician I've ever met or heard. Like it's he blows me away. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So you were saying too that Elvis Costello was an early influence. Yeah. And now you've been able to work with Elvis Costello. Yeah, that you've was. You've been crazy. able to work with Robbie Robertson, <laughs> Jackson Brown, who else? John Fogerty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All these musical legends. Is yeah, that- and guys that meant so much to us. I mean, it's it's uh, and even like guys that were just as relevant to us, um, but just from a later generation, like Connor Oberst was. Yeah much more of an influence on me as a songwriter than, than a lot of those guys you mentioned, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we feel so lucky that, that uh, we've gotten to, like, share a studio or share a stage with some of these people. With Elvis, it was such a surreal experience because I didn't even meet him until the first day of recording. And, you know, I'd always, uh, you know, I knew all those records and, and uh, I was such a, I, I admired him so much. And not only you know, in, in the same day, I had to not only be ready to meet someone I really admired, but also to be in his band for the next two weeks and make a record together at a studio every day. So that was... Um, Were you nervous right away? No, I mean, uh, I was excited. Uh-huh. But I think, and not to sound like a goof, but, you know, if you're invited to go hang out and work professionally with the people that you've admired, like, if you walk in there and you're like, oh man, I'm so nervous and I hope I do a good job, like, that, people are going to see through that and, like, you aren't going to be invited to the party much longer. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and while I was excited and while I was, uh, grateful and humbled, I also felt like, you know, but I'm here for a reason. I got invited here and I got to come correct and I got to do my best and, and not that I'm better than anybody else, definitely not better than anybody else in that room, but, uh, and I, I mean, because like I said, I felt I did feel really lucky that I was there. There was there's so many people I can name right now that deserved it just as much, if not more, than me. I think but, you proved it, though. <laughs> well, thanks. I mean, your your material on that is among the best. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a blast, and it was so fun to be able to to be prepared. You know, for Elvis to be like, oh, I want a piano player. I was like, cool, I can play piano for you. Or for Jim to for Marcus to say, I want a guitar solo. It's like, oh, I can I can do that. And, you know, obviously, we were all sharing those spotlights. You know, there's some of my favorite guitar solos are from Jim, and some of my favorite keyboard playing is from Elvis. And, you know, like, we were all doing different stuff. Yeah. But it was really fun to be able to be a resource um, as well as a quarterback when uh, when those moments came, you know. Obviously, you're, you're never going to forget something like that. Oh, yeah. But what about, like, 
Dawes touring memories? Is it the shows that you remember or everything post-show or pre-show? Um, I, I It's weird because like the shows are the most fun part of the night, that's mm-hmm. for sure. If we didn't have the shows, this would be really hard to do. Um, because as fun as it is to just kind of lounge around every day until soundcheck, it's also hard being away from your family and the people you really care about for four months straight. Yeah. Um, and also to not sleep in your own bed and all the things that you would imagine the comforts of home yeah yeah. it's hard for me to write songs I wish I weren't true but it is um, But and so the shows are easily the most looked forward to thing like getting in there and finally getting to pick up my guitar and get getting to connect with you know my favorite dudes in the world um, for two and a half hours some, you know when we're lucky um, that's that's something that we truly look forward to but the weird thing is that like I don't really grab a hold of certain moments as like uh, oh, that song or that night. I definitely remember feelings like, you know, headlining a sold-out Ryman for the first time. Or that same experience in Minneapolis with at First Avenue. Um, or, you know, and every city's got those moments. Maybe because there's such a mass of them, it's hard for me to ever feel like, oh, man, there was this one night and wherever. Because, um, I, I, you know, every city that we come to, I'm, I'm, I'm typically aware of our best night there, you know, um, and and what what that, what tonight has to live up has to live up to, or what I wanted to live up to. Um, but I would say that, like anything else with that's you know, has anything to do with art, the most enriching and most profound moments are always the human ones that you share with the people you care about. They're not they're not the moments like recording or looking back and saying, yeah, I wrote that song, or I, I played that show, mm-hmm. it's going to be more like, yeah, I was in this weird place with the girl that I loved, or I was, I had this meal in the last city I would have ever imagined with my brother, who I love, you know, or it, and it's always those human moments, or the that night when we ended up meeting our friend's band, and we all did this, and went to whatever we did, um, those are always the things that stick stick out more, and they're never necessary, as, you know, as much as I wish for the sake of an interview like this, that they were, you know, really, uh, you know, juicy and wild uh, anecdotes. They're typically, like I said, like a night at dinner or holding hands with someone walking around the city and, you know. That's life, though. That's, yeah, exactly. That's kind of the magic of life. Yeah. Though. Those small moments are beautiful. Yeah, and that's what it always comes down to. It's never, it's never like, I, you know, I would feel like such a strange person to sit here and be like, the one night we played in front of 20,000 people <laughs> at this festival was the best night of my life. I'd just be like, oh, what an asshole. <laughs> it's always good catching up with yeah, you. Man, yeah, man, right on. A special thanks to Taylor Goldsmith, not only for talking with me for this podcast, but being the inspiration behind this podcast. So I truly appreciate that from him. And all I can say is that if you haven't seen Dawes live, you need to. For tour dates and more information about Dawes, go to DawesTheBand.com. For more editions of all your favorite bands, the podcast, go to soundcloud.com slash A-Y-F-B podcast. And that's all one word. Until next time, I'm Jeff Lamord. Thanks for listening.